You know, it's interesting that in this Like You teaching series, our tagline is living like Jesus in our relationships. And why I find that interesting is because while Jesus lived here on earth, it seemed like he was constantly in tension in his relationships. Not all of them, but certainly with the religious leaders, there was all these confrontations we read about. At one point, there's a mob of people that are chanting, crucify him. Right? Another point, he goes to the temple and he overturns tables right, because of what they were doing. And, and then ultimately, he's crucified. He's executed on this Roman cross by these people that hate him so much that they want him dead. Not exactly what you would expect from somebody who is good at relationships, right? Yet there's nobody that walked this planet that was better at bringing people together than Jesus. There's nobody that healed more broken relationships or restored more people to their relationship with their Father in heaven than Jesus. Which means that sometimes it might get messy, but Jesus can help you more than anybody else when it comes to broken relationships. Jesus can help us take a good relationship to great. He can take a ruined relationship to restored. God can do things that people just cannot do in relationships. He can do miracles. He can move mountains. He can bring people back together. He can take the spiritually lost to where they are not only found and saved, but restored and renewed in the relationship with God. I'm telling you, there's nothing that our God cannot do. So whatever the state of your relationships today, whether you are lonely and wishing you had relationships, whether you're in a bad relationship that you want to see restored, or whether you are in a great relationship, but you believe that Jesus can help you make it better. I'm so glad that you're here today as we talk about this message I've titled, Shift Your Mindset and Save Your Relationships. Shift Your Mindset, Save Your Relationship. And, and we're going to start today in, in Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to open a Bible. But you know, before we get to that, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, Clydesdale horses. They're these beautiful Scottish horses that you'll often see in, in, in lines pulling carriages. They, they work in, in teams, and they are just such a strong and beautiful creature. I mean, God just made these beautiful horses called Clydesdales, and, and these Clydesdales usually are just literally the epitome of strength and beauty and order as they march along. But recently in Texas at the, the stock show and rodeo in San Antonio, there was a, a mix-up with these horses, and I just want you to check this out real quick. Everybody to be as quiet as you can, so you maybe can hear the driver give those horses cues as he shows you how they docked a hundred years ago, maybe in St. Louis, Missouri, or Kansas City, or Chicago. Wait a minute. Uh-oh, that's not supposed to happen. Here comes no. the crew, here comes the team, get them untangled, hold on. Hold on, we've got professionals in place. Well, thankfully, all the horses did walk away, but it took a tremendous amount of effort and skill to untangle them. The radio announcer said, in 40 years of broadcasting, I've never seen something like this. These animals that are ordinarily strong and amazing, for whatever reason, just got all tangled up. And for whatever reason, our relationships can sometimes get tangled up. No matter how beautiful they are, no matter how amazing and strong they might be, it's sometimes we can start to trip over each other. We can crash into each other. We can experience conflict and hurt and pain in relationships. And listen, no matter how tangled up it might get, God's word can help us not only untangle the mess, 
but help it elevate to be a beautiful, beautiful relationship. So wherever you're at in your relationships these days, let's take a look at God's word in Hebrews chapter 10, which offers us so much hope and so much help in our relationships. Hebrews chapter 10, let's begin reading God's word in verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Did you notice throughout this passage all of the community-based language that's used? Just take a close look here. It says, let us, the hope we profess, meeting together, encouraging one another, we hope together in Christ. I mean, this is something that brings us together, unity, right? In our culture today, diversity is, is really celebrated and, and idolized. And, and man, God is all about the beauty of diverse creation. Like he made us different. He made us unique. He made us beautiful. But as much as there's a focus on diversity and wow, there's beauty in diversity and we love all that, we have forsaken really the focus of scripture, which is unity. Unity, that should really be our focus, is taking all of the diversity and bringing it together in this concept of unity, that we're better together. And, and certainly we celebrate our differences, but what we really want to celebrate is the beauty of what we are united around, what brings us together, where we see commonality. And I just, I love what the scripture says here. It says, us, we, together, one another. That We've forgotten what it looks like to live in community because we so celebrate independence and our differences and the things that, that divide us. And, and we need to focus more on what brings us together, what creates unity, what, what draws us together. And in all of our differences, right, just like the Bible talks about, we are a body, right? The body has, an, has a sense of smell through its nose and a sense of, of hearing through its ears and a sense of taste through the mouth. I mean, we have all these different members of the body, yet we all are needed to make the body function. So even though there's differences, the focus is on one body. Together, we, we, we are one. And, and God is wanting us to see that the, the power of being together, the power of unity, while the devil is constantly trying to isolate us, he's trying to pull us away from the pack. Scripture tells us that the, the Bible, uh, Bible says very clearly that the, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you've watched on National Geographic, you've seen on the YouTube videos how the lions hunt, right? They run into the pack, the herd scatters, and they go after the one that's off by itself. It's exactly how the devil hunts Christians. He tries to isolate us, get us to withdraw from community, which is probably one of the reasons why God included this verse 25 we just read. It says, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I'm so grateful for technology. It's allowed us to, to worship online. It's allowed us to stay connected digitally. And it's certainly a theme throughout this teaching series is the social media platforms that we're also familiar with. And when we love those likes, we love those heart emojis. And we're always trying to get people to like us through presenting our life online. But there's something to be said about face-to-face -face connection and meeting together. And yes, you can do that online. We do that through Zoom. We do that through meetings. Those are important things. But as much as we are able to, gathering together. Now, there are definitely unique situations. 
where we can't physically gather together. But as much as we are able to, I just felt led to speak into this because I think we're in a season where people have got comfortable and used to pulling away from the pack, pulling away from community into the comfort of their living room and say, hey, I'll do a little digital connecting. Maybe I'll do a little viewing, but we're missing out on the beauty of unity together. The we, the us, the better together that you see in this passage. Some of us have not yet matured into the mindset that I'm going to put here. And this is the foundational lesson that we must grow from a me mindset into a we mindset. We have not yet matured into that place. And so we're missing out. We're really missing out. We we haven't matured from a a me mindset to a we mindset. We're missing out on the, the strength of community, the power of community, accountability, support, prayer, encouragement, all these wonderful things that God wants to bring into our life. But it has to come when we, we shift our mindset. We change our mindset and how we see life. It was sad to me when we went down uh, to Cape Coral after Hurricane Ian. We took a big mission trip, a whole bunch of people. And we're just down there helping out, uh, partnering with our, our church experience, Cape Coral campus, and just helping people in need. And one of the stories that came out of that was just so sad and, and interesting to me is our, our pastor there, Pastor John Hinton, he said that there was a woman that they ministered to there in the community. That when the power was out for, for days and days and days, she said she was actually lonely because she no longer had the sound of her television playing constantly in the background. And and isn't it kind of sad that in our society, the the, the technology is what allows us to kind of numb the pain of loneliness. And in some ways, we don't even know that what we're missing, we don't even know that that's what's, you know, just dulling that hunger for community until it's taken from us, right? It's it's, it's the the technology that's allowing us still to stay connected, but not enough in, in most cases to where we're actually experiencing the power of unity in community. It tells us to gather often, to gather often. What, what, what would that look like to not give up meeting together for you? What, what would that look like to step more into relationship, to gather more often? What, what would that look like? You know, one of the reasons that we don't is because we say things like, well, I, I can't find any friends like me. Like, I, I don't have any friends my age, or I don't have any friends that are into the things I'm into, or they have the same personality. And, and so it's kind of hard to find those kind of friends that we're looking for. And so we just kind of wait and we withdraw. Uh, I heard Joe Ansis one time say this, this, this quote I came across. He said, the only normal people are the ones you don't know very well. <laughs> and I love that, you know, because there's no perfect people. And if you think that you have a perfect friend, it's just you don't know them good enough yet, right? There's, there's no perfect people. And by the way, there's no perfect churches either. One, one of my favorite comments I heard someone say about the church is that there's literally no perfect churches. But if you find one, look out because you can't join it because then you'd run it, right? In fact, I just want you to help me out today. I want you to look at the person next to you, and I just want you to say, hey, I've got issues. Yeah, go ahead. Just say, I've got issues. And then look back at them and say, but, but you do too. <laughs> say you do too, right? Because we all have issues. Every one of us, there's, there's no perfect people. We all have issues. And so if you're looking for the perfect friend group, if you're looking for that, that perfect BFF that's always going to be there for you, will never let you down, never offend you, there'll never be any tension in that relationship, look, you're not going to have any close friends because that person does not exist. In the same way that you know all of your flaws and your imperfections, every person that you lock eyes with, they also have a long list of imperfections, struggles, and brokenness in their life. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners, that we have all fallen short of God's perfect standard. We've we've all sinned against God. And so because of that, we all have flaws and failures in our relationships. We all need the grace of God. We all need Jesus. We're all sinners in need of his Savior. So when it comes to relationships, don't, don't endlessly look for the perfect friends Instead of focusing on finding friends, focus on building friendships, building friendships. You know, one of the, the barriers 
to community for us and, and having relationships, the kind that we really long for, is that we run when things get difficult. We do. We're in a culture of just running to the next relationship, the next business partnership, the next job, the next church, the next marriage, right? We just, we run when it gets hard. When our feelings are hurt, when we're offended or frustrated, we just move on. And I just want to challenge you today to not become a runner. Or if you are a runner, repent from that. Change that because look, running from relationships is running into isolation. And skipping from relationship to relationship to relationship is going to keep you from experiencing the depth and the beauty of long-term relationships. Long-term relationships where you are really known and you know others. I'm going to challenge you to avoid the apathy that comes from our non-committal culture. We're in a culture where people just are not willing to commit to relationship, to longevity, to showing up, to being in spaces with each other. It's just we're in a very non-committal time in, in history. And, and I just want to tr- encourage you to fight against that. And so I want to give you today four, four steps, four, four lessons that I think will really help you shift your mindset and save a relationship. Save a relationship. Maybe you have drifted. Maybe you've run from it. Maybe you're existing in it, but just surviving. Wherever your relationship is at, if you want to make it better, I want to give you four steps. And, and they're going to come from God's word. And, and my hope is that, that today that one of these things, one of these four will just leap off the page at you and will help you really grow in your relationship. The first one comes from one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, James chapter one. James chapter one, verse 19. God's word says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We, we naturally, of course, do all the opposites right there of what, what it tells us to not do, right? We naturally get angry fast, we talk fast, and we're slow to listen. But, you know, we, we live in an era with technology where we're so used to speeding things up on YouTube, even on your Bible app or Audible. I mean, you can click through not just regular speed, but you can go to double speed. Some devices you can go to three times 4x speed. And so you can just speed that thing up. If it gets a little slow and you're not interested, man, you just, just crank up the speed. You can skip forward. You can skip whole chunks of a conversation or a presentation. Right? We, we just jump ahead. We miss, we miss really important things. And in our relationships, we're, we're naturally good at speaking and sharing what we want to share. But we're not as good naturally at stopping to listen. And so we miss things. Right? We're sitting there listening, but we're really wanting them to speed up so we can get to what we want to say. Or, or we miss what they're actually saying because we're already jumping on to the next thing. We're not fully engaged. We're multitasking. And so we miss out on so much, but God's word here tells us that we must be quick to listen. And if you want to have good relationships, you have to get better at listening, listening closely for what's being said and for what's not being said. But we can get in a hurry and we can just run people over in relationships when we don't slow down, hit the brakes and really listen. You know, she will feel loved in that marriage when you ask her a question and you stop and you actually listen. When you really listen, and you understand what's being said, that will change your marriage. That will change your relationship. And here's how I'd put it in a sentence. Listen well so that you can love well. Here's the, here's the first thing. I'm going to give you four things, but four things that will really help you in your relationships. The first one is listen well so that you can love well. You we're commanded in Scripture to be quick to listen. And we want to be quick to listen to God and His voice in our life. That should be the first voice. And we want to be quick to listen to others and really hear them out. You know, another lesson that comes out of this, this specific verse, it tells us to be slow to, to be angry. 
And that's not an easy thing to do. We can, we're so quick. We have such a short fuse. We get quick to get angry when people offend us in relationship. It's one of the reasons why there's so many broken relationships. Because we're not good at being slow to anger. We're quick to anger. And words spoken in anger when someone offends you, whether it's a friendship or in your own home, words spoken quickly in response, reactively out of anger, can really destroy a relationship. Can really destroy a relationship. It leaves lasting marks on the minds of people when you say destructive words out of anger. Whether it's to a child, whether it's to a spouse or to a good friend, those words will be remembered. They're, they're gathering in their mind the words as you say them. You might apologize later, you might forget about it, but they're remembered. It's kind of like a ship that's traveling through the ocean and all these barnacles that slowly collect over time. And not any one of them are really noticed and not any one of them is gonna cause any significant damage. But over time, as the, the dozens turn into hundreds, which can turn into thousands or even tens of thousands of barnacles, as they gather to the bottom of the ship, it can really affect the ship. And sometimes you'll see, see a ship that's raised up out of the water and you look at all those barnacles and it's amazing how many they are and how many have gathered, but they began with just one. And, and one destructive word said, and anger can devastate somebody, but especially a pattern of destructive words that said over and over again can really ruin a relationship. Tearing other people down with your words, even if it's just in jest, it's just a joke, hey, I'm just playing around, just tearing others down with your words will actually over time tear down your relationships. And for those of you who are parents or you're around children or you teach children, if you have to raise your voice to get their attention, you're already in trouble because you're gonna to have to keep raising it louder and louder and you're gonna get less and less response. And, and when you're training children, if you'll train them in a healthy way, if, you, if you'll train them in, in the way to communicate and, and the way that God asked them to live, you'll see that they will respond. But if you give out empty threats, they're gonna ignore you. If you're slow to correct them when they make poor choices, they're gonna be slow to obey and, and listen to you. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse six, it says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they were old, they will not turn from it. The Bible tells us, those of us who have responsibility over children, to teach them the way that they should go. Look, your kids, they're going to go a direction. When they grow up, they're, they're going somewhere. The Bible tells us to teach them the right direction. Teach them the way to go. Point them in a direction that's going to be good for them. Because if we don't teach them where to go, you know who's going to educate them? the world is going to educate them. The world is going to educate them on what's right or wrong. You know, as a, as a pastor, it, man, it breaks my heart to see parents that are so passive in their parenting that their child, if they, any excuse, man, derail their plans to attend church, to be in community with other believing children, to be in a positive environment. I mean, we'll show up for birthday parties and we'll show up for sporting events and school, but for some reason, we think that church is an option. And in our family, we just decided, man, until the kids graduate, this is, this is not optional. Like while they're in our home, like this is just something that we do as a family, right? Because we know the, the power of it. We know the beauty of it. We know the importance of it for our children. We want the best for them. And so we're giving them the best. The best thing is Jesus. There's nothing that's better. Some, some parents work so hard to give their kids a good education, to give them on the best sports team and the best equipment, yet they have not equipped them to really live in this world, this secular world, that's going to pressure them and pull them towards things that can ruin them. And we have not put the effort in to train them in the way that they should go. And here we're, we're told in God's word to train children in the way that they should go, point them in the right direction, help raise them up 
in the fear of the Lord, the understanding of the Lord, to where they understand what it means to live for Jesus, to follow him, not just generically believing, but they can understand the gospel, what it means that we are sinners in need of a savior. We need Jesus, and Jesus is our only hope and the forgiveness of our sins. We have to teach and equip them so that they, they are raised understanding these things. Because if we don't, we're, we're missing an opportunity to prepare them for the challenges that, that lie ahead in their lives. But passive parenting is, is not, not good parenting. But whenever you speak truth to a child, whenever you speak truth to someone, you know, the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love, to speak the truth in love. And so for all of us, if we get back out just to a broader picture in our relationships, you want to have better relationships, whether it be in a family and parenting or just in your friendships or in your business or in your classroom. Look, here, here's the, the second lesson. Speak truth with love in your heart, but grace on your lips. Speak truth with, with love in your heart and grace on your lips. Right? Because just speaking the truth, say, hey, I'm just going to tell them like it is. I'm just going to say what's on my mind. That's not going to get you good relationships. There's some people that are so abrupt that they can't keep good long-term relationships because of how they communicate. It's hurtful to others. It's abrasive. Right? But we do have to speak the truth. We're responsible for speaking the truth to people and helping them know truth. But we're also commanded to speak the truth in love and with grace, seasoned with salt. Right? We're supposed to make, make that meal appealing, right? make, make it taste good. Like when it goes down, seasoned with salt, the Bible tells us, to make our words appealing to others, to make as, as best we can. It doesn't mean it's always going to be received well. I mean, Jesus spoke some hard truths, and people turned on it. And that, that's going to be a reality when you speak truth. But as best we are able to, we're commanded to speak the truth in love and doing it with love. Let's go on. Look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 10. Again, verse 24, it says, and let us, there it is again, us. Come on, say us. Yeah, us. Let us consider how we, say we, yeah, we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us, let we, you see that mindset there? We're thinking about each other. But then the point is to say, hey, let's spur each other on. Let's cheer and challenge each other forward. Let's encourage each other. Let's build each other up. There's the idea that we are together and together we're better because we're pushing each other forward. Do you have friends in your life right now? Do you have relationships that are spurring you on, that are making you better, that are helping you take that next mountain? Who is it in your life that's got your back? They're with you, heart and soul. Can you think about that inner circle in your life? Who are those people that you can call up late at night? Here's what's going on. Here's my struggle. That you're transparent with. You, they know the inside. They know what's going on in your life. Who, who is in your inner circle? Do you have a team that's gonna help you win at what God's called you to in life? So if you don't have it, a lot of us think, well, I need to go find those people. I need to go look for them. You, you don't really find good friendships. Really, you, you grow them. You build them. You develop them. You don't go looking for them. You build them. And so when we have the people in our lives that God's given us or new relationships that come into our life, we just want to say, God, how do you want to use me in this relationship? To spur them on, to encourage them, to, to point them to you, Jesus. And, and as we think about how we build others up, then we look around us one day and we see, wow, God has built up not only the, their lives, but he's built up great friendships and partnerships. Some of you know the story that when I went out to Clearwater Beach and we had a beach baptism out there and uh, we were there with some of our church fam and, and we were on our way back and went into the parking garage and there's a crew of us, I think about like eight of us that got into this elevator in the parking garage. And a, a couple of people in the room, and I'll, I'll admit I was one that joined in, a couple of people in the elevator started jumping up and down and we were just having some fun in the elevator, it got stuck. And it just jammed shut, stuck, and, and we were in there, and we had to call the, the fire department, and they came to the parking garage, they opened the hatch, and then we had to climb out. I mean, it was just a whole ordeal. <laughs> but it's rare to be in an elevator 
that's not moving anywhere. I, I, I've been there. It can happen. I'm telling you, don't jump in an elevator too much because it could happen. <laughs> we, we got stuck. But usually every time you get in an elevator, it's doing one of two things. And that's really all it does. It's very simple. It's either taking you up or it's taking you down. It's rare that it's ever stuck in the same spot. It can happen, but it's rare. You're either going up or you're going down. And in your relationships, if you, if you think about all the different people that God has in your life, there, there's one of two directions that relationship's going. You're either spurring them on, building them up, encouraging them, lifting them up, or you're not being a positive influence in their life, you're being a negative influence. You're neglecting them, discouraging them, cutting on them, putting them down. Usually, in most relationships in our life, they're headed one of two directions. And it might just be ever so subtle. But they're either drifting away, drifting apart through neglect, lack of communication, withdrawing, or you're building them up. You're investing, you're leaning in, you're talking, you're communicating. Most of our relationships are headed in one of two ways. And it might not be anything overt and bad. It might just be you've lost connection, you've lost communication. And those relationships slowly start to fade. It takes effort. It takes investment to grow good friendships. And here's the point. Elevate people toward their potential and to Jesus. Elevate people toward their potential and to Jesus. That's what we want to do. Ultimately, we want to point people to Jesus because that is the best relationship that we could ever introduce them to. That's the relationship that's going to change their life. That's the relationship that's going to make them better. That's the most important relationship on earth is our relationship with, with God in heaven. And so we want to ultimately point people to Jesus. And along the way, we want to also point them toward their potential. We want to call out things we see in them, their giftedness, who they are, not just what they do. We want to build them up so that we position them to win in life. And when you do that, you have that approach in humility, trying to truly build others up, you will see that God builds up a great group of friends around you. And these relationships that are developed over time will bring great satisfaction in your life if you'll invest in them. All right, well, there's, there's a fourth. I said four things that we can do to help rescue and build up and save our relationships. So the fourth one comes out of Philippians. Philippians chapter two, verse three. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The interests of others. You know, we live in a culture where everybody has interests now. I mean, there's so many things to be interested in. We're in a very interesting time in history. We're in an interesting time in the world. I mean, you could just Google about anything and learn about it. And, and we have Wikipedia. And you could, just, you could just learn and learn and learn all day long. And we've got a school, we've got our education, we have podcasts, we have videos. There's so many things. I mean, we're always learning and interested. And, and it's, it's not unique to be interested in the things that you're interested in. But what is unique is to find somebody who will be interested in what others are interested in. And it tells us here in God's word to think about the interests of others, not just of self, but the interests of others, which is ultimately the interest of Christ. To be interested in another person is to be interested in the same thing that God is interested in. And that's people, that's people. Uh, I've been getting some of my cardio in lately, getting on a bike and, and going bike ride around, around the neighborhood. And I mean, I, I love it. It's a great way to get outside and get my, my, my exercise in. And, and one day I was driving down the sidewalk that was right next to a hedge. And, and as I was riding down this, this sidewalk, I was going pretty fast. This squirrel darted out right in front of me. Now, I think I startled it as I was riding along on the sidewalk, but he jumped out right in front of me. And man, squirrels, they're quick. He, he, as quickly as he jumped out on the sidewalk, he saw me and he reflexively jumped back into the hedge off the sidewalk. Man, I missed him by an inch or two. 
And if I would have hit the squirrel, I'd feel bad for the squirrel, but I also probably would have wrecked my bike. And as fast as I was going, I'm telling you, I would probably would have broken something. So now when I ride past that hedge, specifically around my neighborhood, or any place where there's, there's things I can't see around the corner, I'm looking a lot more closely. I'm gripping the handlebars. I'm paying attention because I'm thinking, that squirrel, one of these days, it's, it's going to happen. I don't know when, but one of these days, that squirrel's coming out again, and this time he might not turn in time. And I might hit him and flip over my handlebars. I don't want to do that. So anytime I come up close, I'm looking. I'm watching closely. And I just kind of think, you know, this is, this is really how we should approach relationships and conversation. We're looking a little bit more closely. We're not just cruising along, reacting relationally. Hey, how's it going? Like, we're, we're looking. We're looking for opportunities. We're, we're leaning in. We're, we're grabbing hold of that relationship thinking, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I build you up? How can I be interested in what you're interested in? If you want to have a better relationship, get more interested in the things that they're interested in. Right? I mean, here's how I put it in a statement. Show interest in what is of interest to others. <laughs> We're in such a selfish, self-centered culture, but if we can become more selfless and be interested in others, you'll see your relationship change. It's a beautiful and it's a powerful thing when we start to show interest in others. It was Dale Carnegie, he said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get them to be interested in you. That's a great quote. Here's another one like it from John Maxwell. He says, people are interested in the person who is interested in them. You might be an interesting person, but people will find you more of interest if you will show interest in them. And this is really the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that, that we show interest in others, that we care about their soul. We care about the direction of their life. You care about your, your children and how things are gonna turn out with them, but you also care about the stranger that God brings into your life, right? Because, because God has a future and a plan for them. Like he, he wants them to be his, his child, is adopted into his family that finds faith in Christ. I mean, the Lord wants to use us as his missionaries, as we're out in the community, as we meet people, not just to have a relationship and a good friendship. That's not the goal. I, I hope you learn some things today to help you have better friendships and relationships. But the goal is not just that you will have friendships, but that God will use you in those relationships to point people towards their potential and point people towards Jesus. The ultimate hope in life is that God will use you to reconcile people to him and that they can find faith in Jesus. And they'll be welcomed into heaven one day because of your life. That's the ultimate hope is that people find faith in Jesus. And that's where we begin, as it said in Hebrews. Let us hold on to this faith that we have together. It's a community thing. It's not just me and my personal private faith. My faith is meant to be lived in public. My faith is meant to be lived around and with others. My faith is for the purpose of others finding Jesus. Ultimately, it's for him, but it's for him to use me to help others find and follow Jesus, to experience life to the full in Christ. So, so are you living purposefully in your relationships? I'll, I'll leave you with a question today, and here it is. Am I being intentional and in taking the initiative? Because that's what it really comes down to in our relationships, right? Are we being intentional, purposeful? And are we taking the initiative? Are we taking the step? Because, you know, some people say, well, I don't have good relationships. And they're waiting for relationships to come to them. But here's the thing. You have to go and get it. You, ha you have to go and build it up. You have to go and make the investment if you want your marriage to get better. You have to make the investment if you want that friendship that's drifted to be close. You've got to reach out. You've got to make that call. You've got to set up that appointment. And, and I want to challenge all of us today that are hearing this message. You know, one of the, the most beautiful aspects of Christianity is, is the way that God's church works together. We work together for, for mission, for purpose. And in our church, we rally around what we call serving teams. We get on teams to do work together for God. 
work in the community. We got Serve Our Cities coming up here where we're going to go out all kinds of places and make all kinds of difference in our, our community. I love that. We get on mission together and serving teams here locally in our, in our church and our campuses where we're serving people. We're loving all people. We're, we're making a difference as they walk through the doors and we're teaching children and raising up students and we're, we're singing and leading worship and, and all the things, that, all the different teams that are happening throughout the church. And, and listen, I'm just telling you, there's a place for you. There's a place for you to serve and make a difference with your gifts. And also we have these, these things we call life groups, little gatherings and communities of believers. And, and I just, I, I love seeing a growing number of these groups. We have all kinds of groups going on now throughout our church. One of my, my kids, my little nine-year-old said the other day, it's like, dad, there's so many groups now in our church. And it's, it's amazing. They're popping up all over the place because people are seeing the value of community, getting in relationships. And, and if you're missing out, I'm just telling you, there, there is a group at just about any night of the week and any kind of group you can think of. And so, hey, stop making excuses. Step in and get involved in one of these groups. And, and if you're looking today and maybe you can't make it into our in-person service, you can get on to churchexperience.tv backslash connect and you can fill out that form and help you get involved in a group. Or you can stop by the red carpet on the way out of the service. And we have a table out there. We'd love just to connect you and, and get you on a team run a group. But what is your next step? That's what I want to leave you with. What, what's your next step in relationships? Which one of these four things do you need to take and you need to make a difference in your relationships with? So uh, we live here in Florida, and it's just such a beautiful place to live this time of year especially. It's starting to warm up a little bit now. And it's, just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and sometimes in the summer when it gets really warm, uh, you'll notice that you know people walk around in their flip-flops and their, their shorts and their t-shirts and they're living that Florida summer lifestyle. But you'll, you'll go into places and because it's so hot, they'll crank up the air conditioning. So it's super cold. And so you can, you can be warm outside and feeling good and walk into a place even though you're dressed for warm weather and you can be freezing cold even though it's warm outside. And, and it's the opposite of how I grew up in Michigan. I mean, it could be freezing cold outside and so places crank up their heat and, and you're dressed for warmth and you got your, your hoodie on, you got your coat on, you got your hat on. I mean, you're, you're trying to stay warm and you walk into some place and they're trying to make it warm because it's cold outside. But you go inside and you start sweating because you're overdressed now. And you're not gonna start peeling off the layers, but you're just, you're hot. You're like, can somebody turn on the air conditioning in here? Right, and sometimes it can be cold outside and warm inside, or it can be warm outside or cold inside. And our, our job as believers is to walk into relationships even though they might be cold. They might be cold towards God, cold towards you. It might be a cold, family relationship or cold friendship. And our job is to bring the warmth, to bring the love, to point people to Jesus and to each other, to be that glue that holds things together and ultimately helps people experience that love of God that's found only in his son, Jesus. The, the love that God has for them that he delivers through us. That's our job as Christians is to bring that warmth, bring that love so more people can experience a full life in Jesus Christ. I hope you do that this week and I hope you'll look out for the opportunities that God brings across your path this week to be love and to bring warmth in relationships and most importantly, to point people towards our only true hope and that's Jesus Christ. Right on? Right on. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of relationship and, and God, I pray that out of all these things we talked about today that there would be one thing that we could take away, one thing that would help our relationships get better. And God, whatever that is, maybe it's in our communication, Maybe it's the way we approach in our mindset, approach these relationships. God, whatever it is, I pray that, that that thing that you have put in our heart today through your Holy Spirit, that we would go and act on that. We would do that and we would be your church. We'd bring warmth and love into what sometimes can be a very cold place to live in our world. And we can bring the love of Jesus so more people can experience that fullness of life that's found only in you. Jesus, thank you for relationships. Thank you for loving us and bringing us into a relationship with the Father through forgiveness of our sins. 
They're, they're believing in us. And, and God, we know it's important to believe in you, but thank you for believing in us and caring so much about us that you gave your life. So we thank you. And, and as we go throughout this week, may we serve you. May we live on mission for you. And may we help other people see that love that you have put in our heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.